Before we begin our Torah study, let's pray together. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. This week's Torah portion has so many different laws. Sometimes it's hard to decide what to focus on. Some of them are, are, are not immediately germane to our modern life. Uh, for instance, the one about uh, when you go to war and you capture a woman that is appealing to you. Uh, we're not doing that anymore? Yes, sorry, Antonio. Yeah. But all of, all of the laws point to a couple of important po- uh, ideas. One of them is this, that even religious people don't always know what to do and have to learn what is good and pleasing to the Lord. And you can become a religious person and still not think right. So this is why it's important for us to be renewed in the spirit of our minds and the attitude of our minds. We have to learn in a different way than we have before. It's important uh, to learn what is good, what is right, what's pleasing to God in the situations that you face so that you can live for him. And, you know, for many people, if something's legal, it must be good. And if something's bad, it should be illegal. But the fact is there are many things that are bad that are not criminal. They're not crimes. There aren't laws against them. And there are many things that are legal that aren't good. And so you can't go just by legality. You have to learn something else. Now, interesting, and this is the second point in in this week's Torah portion, there is this underlying assumption that... We can't just do what's in our hearts because sometimes what's in our heart isn't good. And we have to learn to fill our hearts with the things that are right. And even when it comes to loving people, we have to learn how to love. We have to learn to love correctly. Now, the two greatest commandments are commandments about loving, which is interesting. To be commanded to love. Because most people love on the basis of emotion and affection. And they say, well, I'm in love with you, or I fell in love. Have you ever heard of, you know, love at first sight? Have you ever heard of puppy love? I remember one teenager fell in love, and his father said to me, it's puppy love, and, and the teenager said, yeah, maybe puppy love, but it's love to the puppy. And he was feeling it like love himself. <laughs> love at first sight is great, but that is only a first step. You know what's really hard is to keep loving. And to love even if your emotions don't want to love anymore. And to renew 
our minds so that we love. And so God says, love me with all your heart. It's a command. It's not a suggestion. It's not, you know, here's a good idea. Try this. Maybe it will work. No, it's a foundational command. And in fact, Yeshua said, only if you get these two commands right, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself, can you rightly understand the Bible, the Torah, the Tanakh, the writings of the prophets, the other writings of the scriptures? He said, upon these two commands, hang the Torah and the prophets. Everything depends on getting these right. And so we have to learn. We have to learn how to love God. The other day was my birthday. My siblings all texted me and congratulated me. One said, what are you going to do? And I said, I'm going to celebrate hamburgers and ice cream. Because in my family, those are the two hard choices. You know, are you going to have a hamburger for a celebration or ice cream? And I decided I'm going to have both. But the funny thing was, I didn't feel so good all day, so I didn't have either. Oh. Yeah, but I caught up on Thursday. Because <laughs> I'd made a commitment to celebrate. But there are certain things you don't have to work at loving because your appetite already wants to do it. I mean, think of what, what your favorite food is. Uh, let's hear some favorite desserts. Just donuts. Chocolate. Okay, we'll turn to donuts for just a sec. What kind of donuts? All of them. I, I'm with you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Hot donuts. Mm. If you haven't had Brenda Miller's donuts, uh, and you thought Krispy Kreme was good. Uh-uh. If, you thought, if, you, if you've been debating between Krispy Kreme and Dunkin' Donuts, you just don't know. And uh, I remember we came to a cleaning party for the kitchen for the Shalom Center and for that whole building when we were working on it. And Brenda made these donuts and brought them to everybody who was working. And I looked at them and, and I just thought, I have to wait until there's like one or two left to, to eat my first one or else I'll eat too many. It, it, it's awesome. Other desserts, chocolate. Who's in favor of chocolate? Fruit. Blueberries. Strawberries. Blackberries. Cherimoya. If you don't know, look it up. Uh, <laughs> delicious South American fruit. Mango. See, there's, there's so many good things. Cake. Cake a la mode. You see, it's easy to think of these things, right? Because they're already like locked into our appetite. Okay, now, what do you love to do more? Do you love to be kind to people who are being really mean to you? Or do you love to, uh, like, help someone who's been an enemy? Which is your favorite? Right. It's, uh, why is that harder for us than thinking about chocolate and donuts? Because it's not locked into our appetites. Right? 
It's not driven by our lower uh, motivations. And so the fact is we have to learn to do the things that are harder. We have to learn to do the things that require strength in order to even be able to do them. We have to love God so that we can learn to love God. We have to start loving him and we learn by responding to his love. And when we do that, it makes such a difference in us. Recently I was talking about the joy that comes from serving the Lord. The gladness that comes when we do something that's pleasing to him. And uh, several people told me in, in the days following that that they had experiences too. One person was on a bus in Jacksonville and someone left their headphones on the bus. And she saw them get off the bus. And it was like the Holy Spirit said, grab the headphones and give them back to that person. And she's a quiet soul who doesn't like to, you know, make a scene. But she had to make a little bit of a disturbance, you know, grab the headphones, run to the front of the bus, say something to the driver, jump off the bus, call out to the person. The person came and she gave the headphones back and it, when she was finished, even though it was a, so contrary to her personality and temperament, she was filled up with joy herself and with gladness. Another person told me about how she was driving down the street, it started raining really heavily and she saw someone, a perfect stranger, out in the rain and she had to turn around because she felt the Holy Spirit was saying, go and offer that person a ride. And so she did it. Isn't that good? She did it. And, and I said, well, how did you feel afterwards? And she said, I feel great. You see, when you do something that the Lord shows you to do, even if it goes against your personality and temperament, even if it's inconvenient, it does produce joy. That joy will make you strong. That joy will be something you can remember, something that you can hold on to. Now, I was with a friend praying the other day. He's going through some, some challenges, and he, he had uh, a, a meeting with his, at his business, and, and they were talking about some of the things they need to do to get new customers, and, and his cell phone rang, and you know, he looked at it and he thought, you know, I shouldn't interrupt the meeting because we got to really work on this so we can get new business. But something told him to answer the phone. So he answers the phone and it's someone who wants uh, to pay for their services, you know, to hire them and buy their services. And so during the meeting, they actually get a customer and, and you know, agree on a, a contract together. But you know how easy it would be at a moment like that, the phone rings, you're in a meeting, you say, I can't talk now because we're working on how to get customers. <laughs> and then the following week, they had another meeting, they were talking about how they can build up the business. And during the meeting, his cell phone went off, he didn't recognize the number, and he thought, you know, we really can't stop what we're doing. And, 
something spiritual, he knew it was spiritual, not just a thought. Something spiritual said to answer the phone. He answered the phone. It was someone he didn't know, had never had contact with, who wanted to hire them in their services. But you can imagine the inconvenience and the logic. Even, they were even about to pray. Can you imagine? What are we going to do? And then you feel you should answer the phone. You say, I can't talk right now because we're going to pray for business. But the person on the other end of the phone is saying, I am the business. I'm what you're praying for. You see, there are some times when what you're looking for is going to come to you, but it's going to come in a way you don't expect. But it will come when you're obedient to the Lord. The timing may not be what you thought, but it will come. So all of these laws that we're reading about, if, if you take the big, you know, the, see them with a, from a higher altitude, you realize they help us learn something about what's pleasing to God, and they help us learn that we need to bring ourselves under God's authority in order to experience his blessings. We can't just do what we want to do. We can't just do things the way we want to do them. We have to learn to be under the Lord and then to use our best efforts to do what's pleasing to him. And as we're doing this, we'll discover something else. We will discover there is such joy in serving the Lord with gladness. If you serve the Lord with reluctance or with uh, a double mind, you know, yes, but no, don't expect to get all the blessings and all the rewards. That's why the apostle says, you know, that the double-minded person is unstable in all their ways and they shouldn't expect to receive anything from God. If one part of you is saying, yes, Lord, and the other part of you is saying, no, Lord, about the same matter, you can't expect to receive anything. You're divided and and you're going to neutralize yourself. The great challenge is to be single-minded, and you do that by bringing your thoughts to the Lord and bringing your heart to the Lord. And when when you do that, when you bring your whole heart to the Lord... He'll fix the parts that aren't strong. He'll fix the parts that are broken or dark. He will do exceedingly and abundantly for you. Psalm 100 verse 2 says this. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. And then Deuteronomy 28 47 The Lord is severe in a warning. He says, because you didn't serve me with gladness, because you didn't serve the Lord your God with joyfulness and gladness of heart, even though you'd received abundantly, many things, many troubles come upon you. And so this teaches us that we've really got to cultivate gladness and joy. Serve the Lord with gladness. You practice that. And you start saying, Lord, what I do, I want to do wholeheartedly for you. And I want to be a blessing. Now, what if your heart doesn't really want to do it? You know what? 
that's when you exercise spiritual authority over your inner person. You say, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. And uh, your renewed spirit under the authority of the Lord takes the higher place of authority and starts commanding the rest of you. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Sandy and I are in that time of life where we're thinking it'd really be nice to live in a condo instead of a house. And so that involves a lot of work to try to sell a house. And uh, a lot of work, a lot of effort, and expense as well these days. You know, because everybody's watching HGTV or something, and, you know, they have their ideas of what houses should be like, right? But we haven't had a lot of interest in our house, even though it's been on the market. And so we woke up the other day, and Sandy looked a little sad. She may not like me telling this, but I'll tell it anyway, because she's not here. And the chances are good she won't listen to this podcast. And tomorrow when she is here, I probably won't tell the story. I don't know. <laughs> but she won't object. And, and so we were sitting uh, at the table having coffee. And she said, well, how do you feel? And I said, I have decided the Lord's leading us in this direction. Um, and so I believe he's going to make a way. We're not trapped because you're never trapped if the Lord is leading you. And so what we need to do is give thanks to the Lord for every little thing and every big thing that we've experienced recently that's a blessing. And we've had so many. Uh, not that really touched the house uh, or where we, you know, the condo we're looking for in you know, not far from our house, that's not easy. If, if we were willing to go to St. John's County, it'd be easier. But we're not. We don't think. We're, we're in Mandarin. We like Mandarin. We like this area. So, we're not, we're, we weren't really having any progress in that, but we decided just to give thanks to the Lord. And so we spent the next 30, 40 minutes thanking him in detail for little things and big things, for everything until we ran out of things to thank him. And after we did, it, and I, I don't want to give you the impression that if you do something that you're going to immediately get a benefit from it. But after we were finished and we thought, okay, now what do we do? You know, let's get on with our day. We get a text that someone wants to come see the house, you know, from our realtor. And so we had to get everything ready. We went out, and that afternoon we heard back that the person really liked the house, and it made their short list. And so that was right before Shabbat last week, and then we thought, you know, it'd be really great if they did something, but they didn't. And so by yesterday, we were back down to, well, how do you feel? <laughs> and you know, there's a battle. There's a battle. How do, you, how do you maintain hope 
in the face of reality that's disappointing? And do you just try not to have hope so you don't get disappointed? Well, we had some discussion about this, and I'll tell you my position. I'd rather hope when the Lord gives me any opportunity. And then if I have to deal with disappointment, I'll deal with it, and I'll recover from it. And then I'll hope again. But I'd rather do that than be a person who has no hope. Now, what's what's the English word for having no hope? Hopeless. Okay, so do you understand? I'd rather be hopeful than hopeless. But what about the risk of disappointment? Yeah, that goes with the territory, of course. So I'm willing to go through the disappointment so that I can live a hopeful life rather than a hopeless life. Do you get that? And I think that's rational. I think it's wise. I think it's useful. So we realized, you know, these people aren't taking any further action. What do we do? You know, we just put it aside. We deal with the disappointment. And so we did that. And sometimes I tell people, spend one day feeling really bad. And then the next day, Put it behind you. But some things are, wor- are not worth a whole day feeling bad. Feel bad, feel bad for 10 minutes. And really feel bad. It's like, man, I'm so disappointed. And then put it behind you and keep going. Now some things take longer than that. Some things don't take any time at all. But decide if you can. What's the measure of disappointment you're willing to endure? And then experience it and put it behind you and just move on. So we did that. And really it didn't deserve even a whole day. So this morning we were just being realistic. Well, those people are not interested. What's our next step? What do we do? And a few hours before the sun went down, I got another text from my realtor and, and an email from the other people's realtor. And, and they said, the other people's realtor said they had to leave town to take care of something. But they wanted you to know they're very interested in the house. Okay, so I said to Sandy, okay, so what? So, what, so how do you feel? Great again. Right, great again. <laughs> and she said, yeah, I'm, I'm glad. I said, me too. Even if we are disappointed later, yeah, even so. I'll be glad right now. And this is what I found. Your glad muscle, your joy muscle can be made stronger and it can recover from pain. But if your gladness and joy muscle, you know what I'm saying, is weak, it won't recover because it's weak. So you can't use it for much. So you know what I want to encourage you to do? Use your joy and gladness a lot so that you'll be strong. And then when there's a difficulty, you'll get over the difficulty. You'll get through the difficulty. You'll get beyond it. You will be able to say, I'm still serving the Lord with gladness. 
even if I don't get my way, even if I don't get what I want, even if I don't get it when I want it, how I want it, or ever get it. Because I don't have to base my joy and gladness on getting the chocolate or getting the ice cream and the hamburger. So I'm just talking to you straight. It's simple. You might say, oh, I know this. But I tell you, this is foundational for how we live. And when we keep renewing and restoring our joy and our gladness, and we're serving the Lord not out of just religious duty and obligation or self-justification or trying to prove something to God. You need to bless me, Lord, because I did this good thing. (laughs) Right. That doesn't really get us anywhere. But when you decide to serve the Lord with gladness, you will be amazed how you will recover, how you'll be renewed in your strength, and how your power will continually be made fresh. But what about the thing I've waited for for so long? Trust him for that too. But what if it doesn't come to pass? Well, trust him even so. And what if he says, it will come to pass, but it doesn't make any sense to you? Trust him. Trust him. He's wise. Right? He will help you. He will do good for you. He knows the beginning and the end. The scripture says about him, he's the first and he's the last. He knows the beginning of the matter. He knows the end of the matter. And he can say, as it's written in Ecclesiastes, everything is beautiful in its time. Not before its time. But you might say, oh, but you don't know how many disappointments I have. Well, I can tell you this. Everybody has disappointments. What are you going to do about your disappointments? Are you going to have a baseline of gladness? This is the question. And this is, this is what comes to us Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Versus you didn't serve the Lord, your God, with joyfulness and gladness of heart. These are the two opposites. Why do you think Yeshua was willing to suffer for us? It was for the joy set before him that he endured the pain of being crucified And not just being crucified, it was a pain to come down to earth. It was a pain to have to, like, take on a human body and experience all that. It was a pain to have to hang out with us. (laughs) To be misunderstood, to be persecuted, to be rejected. To do good for others and they return it with evil. It was a pain. Why did he do it? Was he a masochist? No, because he loved. And because he fixed his eyes on the Father. And his body, his body like your body and my body would say one thing, but you know what? He would always, God looking to God. 
and saying, it's not what the body's telling me, it's not what my appetites are telling me, it's not what my emotions are telling me. I'm focusing on him to interpret everything. This is the life that we have. Moses is telling Israel this because Israel's about to go into the land of promise and needs to learn to stop thinking like slaves. It's easier to get out of slavery than it is to get slavery out of you. But for this reason, Messiah died for you. So that you could be no longer a slave to sin and to death. What a great redemption he's purchased for us. He loves you. He knows you. He expects more from you. You can't be good enough. Once you learn that, then you can become better. But if you think, I will become so good, you'll never improve. Well, I want to pray for you that you'll go out with joy and be led forth with peace, that the mountains and the hills will break forth before you, and that the trees of the field will clap their hands. Lord, we come before you with gladness, and we say, thank you, Lord, for renewing our strength. Thank you that we can mount up with wings as eagles, and we don't have to rely only on our power but we can find what your spirit is doing. We can rise up because the breath of God and the wind of God and the spirit of God can lift us higher up. Thank you, Lord, for renewing us. Thank you for cleansing us. I pray for everyone who's living under the veil of disappointment right now that they can't shake, and I pray that they would offer up their worries to you with thanksgiving. And that their hearts would become strong as they're thanking you. In Yeshua's name. Amen. Let's close with Aaron's blessing. Yivarechecha Adonai v'yishmarecha. Ye'er Adonai p'navelecha v'yichunecha. Yisa Adonai p'navelecha v'yasemlecha shalom. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep watch over you and protect you. The Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace. In the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. Shabbat shalom, y'all.